<laughs> that, that's what United are. They're a trust fund. They're also a content provider. Yeah, a sitcom and football club is not really one of them anymore. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Gavin Cooney is with us. Gavin, good morning. How are you? Good morning. All good, yeah. I will say one thing about that. I went up to that and um, we were like uh, right at the side of the pitch when they were taking the, the free kicks. And I had this kind of overwhelming sensation of deja vu. And the deja vu was I'd been down in Davy Russell's the previous week looking at racehorses and two-year-olds who were like just becoming. And I was like, these guys are like racehorses. They were so sinewy. And uh, I mean, I, I realize this sounds a little bit, you know, whatever. I'm going to stop now. But <laughs> it was unbelievably impressive. Is is where I will go with that. Okay, but you, then you weren't struck with the the feeling that I could kick these. No, I was I not struck with that feeling. Okay. I was like, there's something kind of at a, a you know at another level than, and they're not supposed to be because they're GA players. They're like they're supposed to, you know, they're supposed to be the same as us. They they all get up and go to work in the morning. But these lads are like, <laughs> you know, that's a next level. Anyway. They should like. They should just have like an ordinary man stand beside them at the start of every game, just for television purposes. They really like, should. Like is, we should volunteer for that. Yeah. But isn't there a story of like yourself? Of Sean O'Shea? Didn't Sean O'Shea? Oh, then maybe this is completely wrong. But took like a year off. Oh, he told Owen to find is, like yeah. to find some kind of serenity. That's his, this is his story. <laughs> this is literally he broke yeah, this story. Sorry, didn't Owen. realize he oh. broke the story, and then everybody afterwards <laughs> is, is, like has basically claimed credit for it. <laughs> yeah, t- Tommy clips it and put it up, and was like, there was this really good story that Sean O'Shea told, and I was like, you know what? He did tell me a good story. Yeah. He became a professional. Uh, That's why we call taker. him Scoop Sheehan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, even if I don't know, I've if you were from North Macedonia, you'd be Scoop. Hey, what a segue that is! Excellent segue. Rovers are home. This was a big. This was. There have been two subplots: the TV mm. coverage and the travel. Mm. Uh, bizarrely, like as opposed to the football itself, which has been sensational. So yeah. let's do the subplots first. Uh, let's bury the lead again, <laughs> in, in keeping with the theme of the show. Um. The subplots were that uh, the travel had somehow... Rovers were pissed off about it. Mm. Scoopy were pissed off about it. And in the end, all's well that ends well. Yeah, I mean, Shamrock Rovers had to fly out and were initially scheduled to come home via Shannon Airport. We we heard all about the Scoopy uh, statement uh, last week. Uh, Stephen Bradley held his counsel until after this game, but he went into the, the Zoom press conference certainly with something to say about the frustration about trying to get charter flights home. You have to get charter flights to these games. From third qualifying round on, you have to go via charter under UEFA rules. So he was frustrated that, for some reason, the Irish clubs couldn't get slots via Dublin. Whereas, um, I think he was less frustrated by that than the fact that uh, Ludogorets could fly in and out of Dublin and CSK Sofia could fly in and out of Dublin um, uh, for their game against Pats. But as it turns out, that tweet is by Mark Lynch, who's the, who's the media officer at Shamrock Rovers. Uh, they flew back via Shannon and it was too foggy to land. <laughs> uh, so uh, Stephen Bradley had manifested uh, sufficient, uh, sufficiently in our press conference to land in Dublin around five or six this morning. So I, You'll say all, all's well that ends well, but the problem is they now have to get uh, to Budapest next week and they have to fly via charter. And again, everything is booked last minute. Like I mean, the, the like these games. You, I mean, it is a bit of a logistical nightmare as it is because you only learn your opponent. Well, okay, Rovers have what eight days notice this time. Sometimes you only have five or six. Um, but uh, yeah, they'll have to uh, they'll have to find their way to Budapest. Hopefully, by them. Maybe their owner can stick on a plane for them. You know, maybe. I mean, At this stage is probably worth it. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I mean, I did. Like, there was one of the, one of the comments on my pieces, just like, could they not just you know get someone to fly them out of Baldoyle or something? Um, but. Uh, yeah, well, maybe, look, maybe there will be, but it, it's a strange, like, it's just been completely chaotic. I mean, Pat's haven't, I mean, Pat's had 
probably the biggest nightmare obviously is to fly via knock uh, to uh, to Sofia and then we're stranded there for two days like <laughs> and which led to the cancel well the non-playing, should we say, because there's question marks over that, over the Shelburne game, which is a nightmare for Shelburne as well. So it's been it's been so disruptive. It's been, you know, football is interesting in the sense that it's a, it's a window into all kinds of worlds. And this summer has been world, a window into the world of, of Dublin Airport. Travel chaos is, is uh, general all over the world at the moment. Let's talk about the football. It's a massive, imp- important moment for Rovers and for Bradley to be able to get to this point. Hmm. Nothing's done that they haven't done before just yet and Ferenc Farah stand in the way um, from a place in the Europa League. Uh, so maybe can you quantify where this stands in, in terms of the context of other previous results? Is, is this as good as we've seen in the last decade? I don't think so. I think there's more in that Rovers team. I think that they're, they haven't, Ludogratz aside, they haven't really faced top quality they've, they've still been good teams and that's not to take away from Rovers achievements I think there's more in Rovers to be honest they were really fairly comfortable like, there were a few nervy moments across the two legs against Scoopy but they were pretty commanding and they did so without you know Roberto Lopez is injured Jack Byrne has hardly kicked a ball Mandarea was sold at the start of this run so I think there's more in them um, I think we've seen more impressive results one-off results I think Pats probably have had the results result of the of the summer so far but there's just more to come from Rovers they're now well they have achieved something that they hadn't achieved before in the sense they're now guaranteed the Conference League group stages and they've effective free hit against French Varys to get into the Europa League and it's real you could call it vindication for Stephen Bradley and everyone at Rovers who backed him I mean he took over in 2016 he was initially on a um, an interim basis and, and he presented to the board I think with Stephen McPhail this is the direction we need to go in um, and the board just turned around and said okay go and do it we'll, we'll back you and they did back him like there were rocky moments particularly at the start they were heavily beaten by Dundalk and there was um, jeers and doubt among the crowd but they stuck with him and they got close they obviously won the league and they kind of dominated domestically and made the most of Dundalk's collapse and got close last year and it's interesting Bradley used the phrase let themselves down against Flora Tallinn in the Conference League playoff last year they just didn't really perform away from home and I know that you know Bradley has said that um, externally people were guilty of underrating Flora Tallinn but Rovers didn't hit their levels in that game and they were way too open so that was uh, They've, they've been learning I think they've learned from the mistakes of the past like they were a lot they were a lot more solid um, against Scoopy last night and uh, yeah one one significant achievement but they're uh, they're not going to stop at the Conference League The progress for Irish football isn't going to come from one golden generation who all decide to stick together and play for a League of Ireland team and take them into the Champions League group stages it's going to come in slow steady increments where one year you, you get beaten by Florida Tallinn and then the next year you qualify for the uh, group stages and I don't know maybe Maybe they can dream about qualifying from those group stages, but it's unlikely straight off the bat that that's going to happen, that there is a massive learning curve, a steep difference between European football and and all the travel bullshit that goes with it. Mm. Um, So this is progress. This oh. is, it comes slowly and hard won and it's not very glamorous a lot of time. Absolutely. And look, I mean, to get it, Rovers have had to, you know, build one of the best squads I think you've ever seen in the League of Ireland. Like, I mean, that's a, they have an embarrassment of riches, riches domestically. Their average age is over 30, which is rare in the League of Ireland. I think I mean, the average age of the league is something like 24. So they're far more experienced. The squad is built for Europe and they've needed that depth because they've missed Lopez, they've missed Byrne, they've sold Mandreo, Chris McCann missed last night. Um, but they need that depth and now they've achieved it. Um, I, I do think like the base, and I think it'll become Rovers' like minimum expectation of themselves in the next couple of years that if you win the league in Ireland, get a place in the Conference League group stages. Because if you win the first round of the Champions League, 
through very complex system the UEFA have set up, you get all these second chances. You know, you drop out of the Champions League into the Europa League, and then you, you drop out of that into the Conference League, and um, so it's it's well set up. So I do think that this should be a minimum expectation of the Irish champions to achieve what Rovers have done. That's not obviously not take away from what they have done. It's always hard, hardest to be the first in that regard. But I think that that would certainly be the minimum expectation going forward that Rovers have of themselves. And, and this is the incentive, isn't it, for a manager like Stephen Bradley to you know, not take an offer in League One or for mm. players to not take an offer in League One. This is just on a plane that's completely different to what you can get at, at a similar level football-wise in England, this, these European nights. And like... Unfortunately or fortunately, this is what the entire season is going to be defined by when it comes to attracting talent and, and trying to persuade some of your younger talent to actually stay at the club. Yeah, well, I mean, the previous managers who have led Irish teams to group stages, Michael O'Neill and Stephen Kenny, both went on to manage internationally. Mm. I mean, Stephen Bradley should definitely have those, have, have those ambitions down the line. He's only, I think he's only 37. Like, he's very, very young. And, like, he's made mistakes, absolutely. I mean, maybe they were too open in Flora Talon last year. Um, but he has he has learned, I think. I mean, you can see that they've learned from previous mistakes and they've developed as a result. And, you know, it, it feels like well, there's a, if you, when you tell the story of Bradley Rovers, there'll be a couple of almost eureka moments. One will be picking Gavin Bazunu uh, as a 16-year-old to save that penalty against Cork. Another was going to the three-of-the-back system, which, I, which they did after a European game in 2019. It might have been brand, but I'm... Just doing that off the top of my head, so I'm not so sure. But that's been huge for them because that's been given that's given them a very um, obvious identity, and it, it's made recruitment much easier because now they're recruiting players with specific with a specific place in the team in mind. I mean, this is like all the best teams now have a very clear identity, and when they recruit players, they know exactly what positions they want, what types of players they want, and it's a very defined ask of them. It's why Manchester United have been such a basket case as opposed to say Man City and Liverpool. They know what they're recruiting for, whereas Man United don't. Rovers do as well. I mean, they've recruited really well. Um, other clubs in Ireland will say, well, it's easy to recruit well when you've their budget compared to everyone else. But, you know, I mean, Dundalk had a bigger budget than Rovers last year and you know, blew up, you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think that, that, that changed the three of the back. That came in 2019 after the European game. I think that was, that was significant on this road to the Conference League. I, I, people are going to be very excited about this question about uh, coefficient and all that, but like, what is the possible upshot of them going into the Conference League rather than the Europa League? Obviously, with an easier group and potential for qualifying from a group, does, does that have long-term implications in a positive sense for, for next season for Irish clubs? Well, I mean, the higher you get the coefficient, the better, the better you'd be rated. I mean, like yeah. the, champions, the champions' path now is such that this effective seeding. So, I mean, it, there's one of the... I think one of the good things that UEFA have introduced in the last few years is A, the Conference League and B, the Champions Path by which the champions are kept the champions of all the national leagues are kept in separate uh, separate brackets and as a result it's easier to qualify you know it's easier to qualify for things like the group stages um, so a, a rising tide will lift all boats so the higher the coefficient means the better the more likely that the Irish sides will get slightly uh, better draws down the line and that's that should be the aim you know I mean I, I was among the people who kind of Acted with reacted with a level of derision to the FAI's strategic plan saying we want to be in the top 30 uh, coefficient by 2025 I think it is which seems kind of crazy because there, there were 40 at the time and it's hard to it's hard to break it's hard to break through that um, through that glass ceiling as it were um, I don't think they'll get there but in fairness they're making more progress than I thought I mean I think it's up to 38 now and with uh, if Pass can get through they have a good chance of maybe climbing to, to 37, 36 which having been at 42 only last year maybe the year before would be would be great progress Frank Farris we're calling it a free hit we're saying that we would expect the technically superior Eastern European team mm. to you know win 3-0 over the two legs that's what would have happened in the, in the 80s and 90s what's the what chance do they have 
I don't know. I mean, to be honest, I haven't really got a chance to take a good look at Farish Farish yet. Um, they'll definitely be underdogs. I think they'll find it more difficult. One of the advantages Rovers have had, like all the Irish sides so far, is the fact that they've been well battle-hardened going into these uh, ties against sides that haven't started their domestic league, like Scoopy. Ludogorets are only a couple of games in. Uh, I'm not sure about the Hibernians. They're kind of no good anyway, but... Uh, I mean, they would definitely be underdogs against French Varas. I mean, my expectation would be that they would go out and go into the Conference League. But, um, you know, they're due. I mean, what Rovers have done so far, they've they've been confident and pretty dominant in doing. So they're due a, they're due a bit of a surprise. So maybe, maybe French Varas. Um, French Varas have played one game in the league so far this season. So there's still a window here for us to jimmy through and go... Um, I presume that game's going to be on TV, right? You'd have to, you'd have to hope so. You'd have to. Hope I mean, so. I mean, the, the line is that like Orti will follow the champions in the Premier Competition, being the Champions League, and then after they go out, then they'll have a look around for what else for what else is on. Um, Pats against CSKA, Sophie is on a Thursday. That, that was the line this week. I'm not sure. Was it? Do we all know that that was the line previously? Has that been? Well, I mean, been, and why, why is it? Why are we just like, oh, that's grand? Why? What's the? Why does that like? Yeah, I mean, so. I was unaware of the premier competition bit. Maybe I was wrong to have uh, misinterpreted that from that being the well expanded policy last year. But that is certainly the policy that that is this year. It, I, I, I sense I, some skepticism. I, I, I'm, I'm very skeptical about this. Like. Um, uh, we keep getting the the ratings figures. It's all about the ratings. It's like it's not a it. It really isn't about ratings when you're when you're taking taxpayers' money. The other thing is, oh, Virgin aren't doing any of this. Virgin don't get paid by the government mm. to be our national broadcaster. Virgin have to make money from advertising, which RT also do. Uh, the fact that they don't collect the license fee or or haven't managed to convince everybody that we should have a better system for collecting the license fee is on RTE. I would argue on mm. Post do a bad job of it. The the ads that threaten you don't seem to convince people that they need to pay it doesn't, that thing doesn't seem to work but they still get loads of money from the taxpayer to cover sport and they funnel a load of that money to rugby and they funnel a load of that money to GA and they don't funnel as much of that money to the FAI for whatever reason mm. Like I, I would say they pay way more money in rights fees for rugby and for uh, GA than they do for soccer I could be wrong about that, publish the figures and we'll find out right? Yeah. but more than likely they're paying more for uh, the GA rights and the rugby rights for the Six Nations and for the uh, URC than they are for football. So that's them giving money to the sports. That's the government giving RTE money who then distribute the money as they yeah. see fit. And then they don't cover the, the biggest game, the biggest sporting event in Ireland this week after the Ireland uh, final last weekend was the match last night. Is there any debate about that? I don't think so. Uh, I think it's an it's an outstanding achievement by Rovers. The promise is much more. But uh, nobody knows an, about it. But nobody knows about it. There was a slight Streisand effect in the sense that there were so many people talking about the lack of coverage that there were, Rovers did say we got a record number of LOI TV streams. Good night like, for LOI TV. I was it was to say, a good yeah. night for it yeah. because and like I mean they had to jump through hoops to you. On hey. to get it. Um, I mean, you, th- we had the scene of like Justin Ferris's dad was ringing the Scoopy sporting director the morning of the game. Like, this is for one of the biggest games of the year. Is this game going to be an Albanian TV so we can stream it? Um, and ultimately, Rovers made another bid for the right for the rights to stream the game. Um, and late in the day, got it, and I think it has proved profitable in LOI TV, which is great. But that doesn't appeal to the casual viewer who doesn't really know a whole lot about LOI TV. It needs to be on regular TV. And the argument is always that 
you know, the, the endless bloody argument is that broadcasters will argue in, you need investment and grow the league and make the stadiums look better and then it's a better broadcast par- uh, product. Whereas then people will argue, well, if you broadcast it, then that'll bring the investment. So I don't look, I don't know where that endlessly circular argument ends. But the European games should be seen as separate of that. I mean, they've got a prestige of their own. Uh, they're a major commercial and marketing opportunity for the league and they should be all on TV, in my opinion. Um I mean, obviously, RT get all of the criticism, really. I would be critical of the commercial broadcasters for not stepping in. Like, I mean, Virgin Media would show the group stages. I don't know why, why they can't really step up and show the qualifiers. Um, but then, you know, OK, RT have a public um, public interest remit. Um, but they obviously see that, they obviously feel they're showing enough. I mean, Declan McBennett, who's the head of RT Sport, was engaging pretty well with our League of Ireland fans on Twitter yesterday I have to say he was making the point that what is it 18 League of Ireland games plus cup games plus the European ties that have been shown so far there's more Irish football on than ever before is that not enough for you and no, actually it's not, the answer it's, is no it's not, an, it's it's not, not enough. enough when the bar is so low and, and the thing is right when you compare that with the number of uh, club matches and GA matches that are going to be on it's just not the same mm. and it's clear that there is uh, more interest in showing GA and more interest in showing rugby and there is what, why, why did we show the URC final between the two South African teams I haven't seen the viewership figures for that game I assume because contractually you have to but like so what you know yeah. stick it on news now yeah because they ended up moving the hurling quarterfinals for that game remember that weekend but the argument will be that that game will get as many if not more viewers than the standard the league hurling game two South African teams loads of arguments that they moved uh, it was actually an argument from within the Sunday game on air that they uh, he had suggested that they had played a one o'clock quarter final because of the URC final that was certainly the suggestion I got it was from true though that was, that was the, it, was, it was all moved so I can understand I, I assume look I mean I'm not privy to these conversations I don't but know. you make your contracts you sign those contracts knowing what's going to happen and if you are interested in making the league a better product I, actually I also hold the FAI somewhat mm. accountable for this if, if you're going to give the international rights to a broadcaster make them do more you can See, have the, these if you do is, this and in this in fairness what is tricky for the FAI is that a lot of the international games are sold centrally through UEFA now so I mean it's, it's harder to say here or do you take the Nations League games but you have to show X number of League of Ireland games that's tricky because it's sold via via UEFA so the FAI have kind of lost that leverage as it were I think they could definitely do things around like the URC demands you buy URC rights and you have to commit to 30 minutes build up before and however many re- minutes reaction afterwards that would definitely be um, that would definitely be worth bringing in from an FAI point of view just one thing that like obviously URC has seems to have some kind of commercial remit as well I'm kind of, I'd love some kind of clarity on like what that is versus public interest because what confuses me is that They'll show Champions League games on a Tuesday, is it a Tuesday night? So they'll show Liverpool or, I was going to say Man United, but not Man United anymore. Who's there? Chelsea or whoever. But then, like, I mean, that's that's obviously a commercial money spinner. There's no actually technical public interest in that, unless you can argue, maybe, like, public interest is Queeveen Kelleher, but it's not, basically. So, and, like, why not leave that to the commercial broadcaster and Virgin Media and then reallocate those resources into genuine public interest in screening and investing in Irish soccer I'd love I don't know I've never I've never really seen that argument teased out there was a, a brilliant piece in the examiner that um, uh, Paul Farrell from Virgin made the point that they they did this remarkable deal which was the first time ever kind of you know across the aisle uh, the DUP and Sinn Féin coming together Virgin and RTE joining together to get the Six Nations and keep it on free to air and his argument was as soon as that happened RTE took the money they saved and then bought the URC rights with it instead of like doing something else with it like what? 
we just we just saved you a lot of money and now you're just competing against us for other rights mm. or, or whatever it might have been the Champions League I can't remember what it was what, where they spent the money but it seems remarkable it seems remarkable that you can spend taxpayers money on buying stuff that other people will spend for you because you want to mm. as opposed to because it's for the good of the country yeah. like, what's the point of this it's just I, obviously I mean Declan McBennett gave that interview to Johnny Ward and Dan McDonald on their podcast LOI Central last year it's very good. Like I listened back to it yesterday, just because I, <laughs> I thought this was going to come up. Uh, and he was making the point that, like, the group head of sports should always be, you know, the t- like the moment that uh, group head of sports says allow something else to go somewhere else, based because they're commercial, etc. Um, that sorry, I'm tying myself up in knots because I'm kind of tr- forgetting what he said. But basically, that they have to they have to bid for these things. He was making the point around the Lions or um, commentary, oh, yeah. I think was on this channel yeah. and then the RT bid for it as well but he says there's a public interest in that and because of the Irish people involved and the group head of sport has but to be But it was be, already free somewhere else. Has to be involved, yeah. So why would, he, you, he would, why would say, you waste your resources? But, but you are, it's already available to the audience and what you're doing is you're splitting that audience as opposed to then taking that money and spending it on something else that the audience can't get mm. like other sports that need help like Athletics or basketball or golf or whatever it is that, like, as the national broadcaster, it's your you know supposed to be. There's supposed to be a remit to help the. Uh, I, maybe maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe maybe the only point of RTE is to make money. They're very bad at that because they've lost loads of money like uh, over the last decade. So I don't know. It's um, I disagree with that. I think that mm. doesn't hold water. It doesn't have any logic. Your point about the Champions League. When the Champions League was on two nights on Virgin then RT had all this extra money that they could have spent on other things. They could have invested that in the League of Ireland. If you look, for example, what TG Carr did with the... I mean, we're we're labouring the point here, but TG Carr took the League, the, the, uh, the League Sunday. Those matches used to never be on TV. When we were kids, do you ever remember watching a Gaelic football match, a league match on TV, apart from maybe the semi-finals and the final? They weren't on week, week on week. TG Carr came, put the League on, and everyone was like, League's really good. These are good matches. They turned it into something by showing it week in, week out, year in, year out. And then they started showing club matches. And then when when uh, um, Satanta started showing them on Saturday nights and suddenly Saturday nights in the leagues became this really big thing and, uh, and Dublin piggybacked off the back of that and the TV coverage to get big houses in Croke Park. Uh, and then RT came in and goes, oh, this is good now, we'll, we'll have this, thanks very much. Mm. Like, that's not really how public service broadcasting is supposed to work. This, these other organisations had invested money and built it up. And uh, ideally, the money that was, is being spent on those could be spent on other stuff. Mm. Just to, I mean, Declan will make the point that he kind of pithily summed up his job with that interview with John, uh, Johnny and Dan, said his job is to put the, put the best of Irish sport on television. You can, you know, you can interpret that in different ways. But there clearly must be a commercial ask. I mean, like, they were presumably put on the National League because that's a way of putting good sport on RTE, which isn't just a sports broadcaster. We kind of sometimes lose sight of that in these debates. But put that on TV. Okay, you're shaking your head, so you're going to disagree with me. But, uh, I mean, that'll get good ratings. You know, whereas, I mean, you have to... It seems like you have to get good ratings to stay on RTE in a primetime slot, which... I think it's fair enough to be quite honest. Maybe that's the whole point, and you said it to it earlier on. The, um, but the Champions League will, and the League of Ireland won't. Yeah, like you're, that, the they're not doing a great job of making money. If you build it, they will come. No, we can't build it. We're going to put a game on once every three or four weeks. You never know when it's going to be. Who are the presenters? Like, what's the what's the architecture around it? Who are the players that we've built up and followed week in week out? That doesn't happen. Doesn't exist. Mm. It, it's kind of a like a, the League of Ireland is kind of a non-entity. 
because of, I would argue, the approach towards it, isn't that this is consistent. The league is on every Saturday night for eight weeks. We know it's, it's going to be on. And somebody else has already proven it, by the way. Like, Air and Satanta and TG Carr proved that that was something good. So, look, I don't know. Maybe, maybe TG Carr can save the league. I always thought they'd be a good partner for the League of Ireland. There's a kind of like slightly funky, subversive element of both. I think that might be a that might be a good marriage. Right, know. Mike up to League of Ireland referees and away you go <laughs> on to I mean, you're not showing that at 7:45 on a Friday. Oh. Like that is well after the watershed. <laughs> I'm afraid. Everybody's tuning in though. Yeah, <laughs> Gavin, good stuff. Thanks a million. Thanks very much. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.